My goodness, this is exciting. This is really exciting. It's been um, a couple of years since I spoke, and actually I just want to make one little correction. When Charles, when I, the first time that I spoke on Mother's Day, he was going to a men's conference that weekend, and he was just kind of, I heard him talking out loud, who am I going to get? Who, am I, who should I get to speak for me that weekend? And I kind of had this like, in my heart, you know, I could, I'll, me, I could, and I didn't say anything, and then I kind of heard him throughout the, like, a couple of weeks say, I wonder who I should get to speak for me. Finally, I opened my mouth, and I said, I could. I think I have a word that the Lord put on my heart. So that is kind of how that started, and then, anyway, um, I teach full-time. I commute to Orlando every day. It's a little bit of a crazy life, but it's a blessed life, and I'm thankful, and this year, I just kind of felt like I felt the Lord prompted me that, this, that I was on this year, and I told my friends and family, prayed that I'll have the time to do this. So the Lord has provided some time. I wish I would have had a little more time, but, but you know how it is. There's never enough time in life. So, But I'm very excited for this opportunity to share with you all today on this Mother's Day weekend. I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to my mom, my beautiful mother, and my wonderful mother-in-law. And I have sisters here and aunts here tonight and all of you moms. I wish you all a very happy Mother's Day. What a blessing and a privilege it is to be a mom. And I would like to share with you the first picture of my three sons all together. You know the show, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I grew up in the 70s. You know, I, grew, I actually grew up watching that show, so that theme song rings true in our house. I think Chip was the best one. You guys yes. remember Chip? This is the first picture ever taken of the Nestor boys, all three together. Isn't that sweet? Just goes by so fast. People tell you that. And my goodness, they're actually telling the truth. I've learned. I, I didn't know it was the truth, but it really, really does go by so fast. So you can take that down. I just wanted to share that picture. And I would like to start tonight by saying that I'm a result of the fruit of my parents, Sam and Mary Tropia. And their love for Jesus. You see, my parents taught me to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to live for Jesus. And I thank God so much for my godly mother and my godly father. I love you, Mom and Dad. This is the first time they've ever heard me teach, too, so it's really special to have you guys here. And my parents took my sisters and brothers and I to church faithfully. It was a part of our lives. It wasn't just an occasional popping in, but it was what we did. It was part of our lives. It was who we are. We went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I know some of you can relate to that, and maybe some of you still do that. But that was what we did. And on Wednesday nights, there was this really cool club just for girls at my church. And it was called the Missionettes. And the Missionettes was a really special club. And it mentored girls in their walk with Jesus. And it trained us to follow him while having fun learning about the Lord and his word, learning good manners, making friends and crafts. And the Missionettes had this song, this special song. It was the Missionettes Code. We could put it up on the screen the Missionettes Code, and as I said, it was a song, so I'll just go ahead and sing it for you. It goes like this. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That was our code. And the great thing, and I know I've, I've got some fellow missionettes out there. The great thing about this song is that it was straight from God's word. From Philippians 4.8, which just so happens to be part of my text tonight. And this song helped me to hide God's word in my heart my whole life long. And in regards to my thinking, and this is why I wanted to share this with you tonight. Because the Lord's really been working on me this year. Reminding me how important it is, our thought life and our thinking, how important his word is and our, as far as our thinking. What we think about ourselves, what we think about others, our circumstances in life, and just our, our thinking in general is very important. And, you know, for the, uh, I've been teaching full time for a while now, and I had this principle at my school. And I got to be honest with you, it really was, she was not a good one. It was tough. She was there at my school for three years. And the way she treated her staff, the way that she made you feel, it literally took a toll on my thinking and my thoughts. And, I mean, you would go to her and approach her and scared to death to approach her for anything. She gave me a poor evaluation um, due to a student who is a special student who really has a lot of issues, and I did my best to deal with this child. And it was just devastating, just dealing with this principle was very tricky. And um, I went through a period of vocal nodules, some of you might not know, where I had to go on vocal rest for 12 weeks, which made it very tricky. And I was still in the classroom. I was writing on the board. I was communicating with lots of hand motions. And the children were wonderful. My students were so great during that time. But my principal was so hard on me. And she just doesn't understand. My mother was diagnosed with cancer last year. And I missed a lot more days than normal. I had days in my, my, my leave bank, and so I used a lot of my days. And she called me into her office and just let me have it. So it was just, I won't go into all of it, but it was just three years of really being beaten down on my thinking. And my sister-in-law and I, Chris, we were traveling buddies. And there was this song that we would hear on the radio. And it's called, He Knows My Name. And it says, I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake. He knows my name. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. And we would listen to that song. And I can't tell you how much that song ministered to my heart during that time of just feeling so beat down. I knew who I was in my father's eyes. Amen. Amen. And that pulled me through. Now I've got a great principle. Thank God. She's great. But anyway, and I wanted to sing that song for you tonight, but I thank goodness for some wisdom from my cousin. I just felt like it was too much, so I decided not to do that. But I would like for you to turn in your Bibles with me tonight to Philippians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 in our study this evening. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that we can come, Lord, that we can learn your word, God. And I just pray, Father, that you would just help your word to sink deep into our hearts tonight. Lord, that we would apply it to our lives. Jesus, that we would not just be 
hearers of the word, Lord, but that we would be doers of your word, God, that we would walk in your word and walk in your truth, Lord. God, would you just speak to every heart here in this place tonight? I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to read Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. It says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So here in verse 1, he says, Therefore, therefore links together what Paul had written before to what he is writing now. And he's expressing his heart and his love for those that he had ministered to and those that had ministered to him. And these words reveal his deep affection for the Philippians. It's just so precious, isn't it? He had not seen them in some time. And we know that Paul wrote this book from a prison cell. And oh, how deeply he missed his friends. They were his joy and his crown. And the word that is used for crown here is the word Stephanos. And this was the wreath that was given to an athlete who won a contest and was being honored. And so the Philippians, they were Paul's crown. They were evidence that Paul's life had been fruitful. And then he tells them to stand fast in the Lord. And this is actually a military term, which means to stand your ground. It's a call to the front lines of your life. And only those that are in the Lord can stand fast. And we need to stand fast together. Amen? Amen. Verse 2 tells us, that there was, let me read verse two again. It says, I implore you, Odie, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So this verse tells us that there was some sort of division in the church there in Philippi. There was a dispute between two women, Syntyche and Euodia. And we don't know the nature. Paul doesn't tell us what it was about. We don't know the seriousness of it. And maybe that's a good thing, right? We don't know exactly. We don't have the details of this. But they were the source of some kind of quarrel that was going on in the church. And Paul addresses it here. And instead of taking sides he, or trying to solve their problem, he tells them to be of the same mind in the Lord. He was saying to these women, let's not argue. Let's not fight. Let's be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3 says, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And we do not know for sure who Paul is referring to when he says true companion. There's been a lot of guesses and speculation, and I'm just going to leave it at that. True companion, okay? So when Paul went to Philippi, he first shared the gospel by the river where there was a group of ladies 
who had gathered for prayer. And many of these women believed on the Lord. They were saved and they were baptized. And so the work of God really began there with these women. And so Paul urges this true companion to help these women to reconcile and to come to one mind in the Lord. And, you know, I've learned through the years that when a group of women that love the Lord, that are in unity together, when they come together, they can accomplish some really awesome things for the kingdom. It's really exciting to see that. And when Charles and I first started Calvary Chapel South Orlando, there was a lady, an older lady, who came to me and said, we need to have a women's ministry. She sat down and she said, this would be a great thing. And she had all these ideas. And I was scared to death. I thought I had been a youth pastor's wife. I'd never been a senior pastor's wife. And I thought, what, how in the world? What am I going to do? I don't know what to do or how to lead a group of women. And I remember being at Calvary Chapel Merritt Island on a Sunday night. And I went to Carol Wilde, Pastor Malcolm Wilde's wife, and I said, I need help. I need to talk to you. I've got a woman in my church who wants me to lead a women's ministry. And I don't know what to do. And she looked at me and she said, Mary Jo, she said, God has placed you in that position, in this position, and he will help you. And it was so exciting to get back to the church and to get a women's group started. And so we know that women, when you get your minds together, when we're a one accord, we can accomplish great things for the kingdom. But we have to be careful not to make it about our own agenda. You know, sometimes we can stray off and, and have great ideas, and then we can make it about an agenda. But it's about serving the Lord and about building his kingdom. So whatever it was that these ladies were arguing about, it was small in comparison to the Lord. And Paul called on this true companion and Clement and everyone else to step in and help there be peace among the fellowship. And these ladies were faithful. They were faithful servants who labored with Paul in the gospel. And it said their names were in the book of life. I mean, that's a powerful thing. The book of life is God's book. And it has all the names of those that are with him or those that will be with him in heaven for eternity. Is your name in the book of life? If you have surrendered to Jesus and made him the Lord of your life, then your name is in the book of life. And if you haven't done that, tonight would be a great night to do that. Just ask Jesus to save you, to be the Lord of your life. Believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose from the dead. Give him your life. Then you too can know that your name is in the book of life. And verse four says this, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Paul encourages them to rejoice in the Lord. He's repeating a major theme of the book of Philippians. And although we can't always rejoice in our circumstances, we can always rejoice in the Lord, knowing that God is in control. And you know, I, since I'm a music major and music teacher, songs always come to mind. And some of you probably would remember, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. <laughs> now we're going to try to sing that in a round. No, just kidding. Just kidding. You know, there's a big difference between happiness and joy. 
Happiness depends upon the happenings or circumstances where joy is the fruit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And joy is not just an emotion. Joy is the calm stated confidence that God is in control. And a Christian has times of sorrow, but we can still have joy. And let's remind ourselves, Paul wrote this letter from prison. And we know from the book of Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I'll never forget early on in the church when Trey and Jake were little and Aunt Nina and Uncle Charlie came to visit on Sunday at Calvary Chapel, South Orlando. And Aunt Nina took me by the hands after church and she said, I just want to give you a reminder that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I never will forget that. It is so true. He is the one who will strengthen us and be our strength. Amen? Amen. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so it tells us to let our gentleness be known. And as Christians, our gentleness should be evident. This is humility with patience and grace and respect. And this word describes a person that will let the Lord fight his battles. Oh, I want to be that person. Sometimes we take our battles into our hands. And you know, when we do that, we're not so gentle about it, are we? We need to put on the Lord's gentleness and let him be the one. Paul didn't offer any exceptions to this command. So our gentleness was to be known, even with those who didn't agree with us. And you know, he basically was saying to them that the Lord is nearby the Lord is at hand. And Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And I think that that was Paul's point here. The Lord was right there in their midst as they were carrying on this division. And so he wanted to give them that reminder. And verse six tonight says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. I just love that. Isn't that powerful? Be anxious for nothing. There's so many things that we are anxious about. We're anxious about tomorrow. We're anxious about raising our children. We're anxious about finances, relationships, our health. There's so many things. But in other words, here he's saying, don't worry about anything. The answer for worry is prayer. And the things that tend us to cause us to feel anxious are the very things that we need to lay at his feet, that we need to be praying about. And I have this little blue book. Some of you that have known me through the years know I've had this for a very long time. And it's just a special little blue book. And I've written down Bible verses and special moments and memories. And I just wanted to share one. There was a summer back in 2009. Luke was three and I was teaching, I'd started teaching part-time, and I was going to be taking on chorus that next year. And the boys, Trey and Jake, wanted to play baseball. And I worried about it like crazy because I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm adding this to my schedule. My boys are going to be on different baseball teams. You know, Luke was a toddler. I had so much on my plate. And that summer, I just fretted constantly, nonstop. And Charles finally said to me, would you just go read Matthew 6? <laughs> And so I did, and I just really pondered and dwelt upon Matthew 6 that summer. And I wrote this down because I wanted to share just a little something from my journal. It says, just wanted to share once again the faithfulness of the Lord. 
This summer, I've been very worried about my upcoming schedule for the year. My school schedule with adding chorus and the boys' baseball schedules, which they both would be on different teams this year. It would be a lot to juggle. Anyway, I drove Charles crazy with my fretting. Thursday morning, I dove into Matthew 6, and I really meditated and pondered on the worry passages. I surrendered my worries to the Lord, and I have actually been conscious about taking my worry thoughts captive since then. Well, on Saturday morning, we went to baseball signups, and Todd, the president of the league, put Jacob and Trey on the same team. (laughs) Plus, he put Christian, my nephew, on their team, on their same team. I was so overjoyed. Here I had worried and stressed, and here they all three were on the same team. So now I don't have to worry about different schedules. I have a carpool buddy. And it's just, it was so awesome. And I said, I hugged Todd. I was so happy. So not only are the boys on the same team, we can carpool with the Lumbergs. I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, see, why worry? I've got it all under control. And I learned a lesson on worry. Thank you, Jesus. So sometimes we got to write those stories down. You know, those stories we can go back to. And there's many more that I could share tonight, but... I can't do that because I don't have time. So let's see if I can find where I am next. All right. Let's go on to verse, oh, wait. Verse 7. Seems like I forgot something. It's okay. All right. Verse 7 says this. No, I I missed something. Uh Uh-oh. I have to be honest with you. My husband would die if he saw my notes. Because they are an absolute mess. But it's okay. But when we come and we stand before the throne of grace and we bring those things before him, our worries and our concerns in life, and boy, we have them. We certainly have them. But he tells us not to be anxious, not to worry about these things. And we have to be really conscious to take these to the Lord. And Paul said to bring all prayer and supplication to the Lord. And prayer is a broad term of communication where supplication is a request that directly asks God to do something. And we're to bring every one of these things to the Lord in prayer. And it says with the spirit of thanksgiving. And when we come with the spirit of thanksgiving, it guards against that whining, complaining spirit. We come to the Lord with our supplications and our prayer. And we come with thanksgiving. Amen? Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we stand before the throne of grace and we place our cares and our concerns before him, there's a peace that comes from God. It's a peace that surpasses anything that we can even describe or begin to describe. It allows us to let go of our own selfish desires and to seek unity among God's people. This peace is found in that quiet place before the Lord where nothing else matters but being there in his presence. And our hearts are are, are guarded in that godly peace. And our minds are guarded in that godly peace. And I want to just share, when my mother was diagnosed with cancer in February of 2015, there's a verse in the Bible that I've always loved. And as I sat with her in the hospital, I went home that night, and I said, wow, 
I saw this verse in action. The verse that says from Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I'll never forget that, just sitting with mom, and she was at such peace in the midst of her whole world being turned upside down. And I just remember thanking the Lord for this verse and, see, and just seeing it demonstrated in my mother, God's perfect peace. Amen. And when we come to the Lord in prayer, it will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And this word guard also speaks of a military action. This is something that God's peace does for us. We can't find this in the world. We can't find it out in a book that's on the shelf by a, just an author that's the latest, greatest, even though there's some great ones out there. We're not going to find this peace from anybody but Jesus Christ. It's something that God's peace does for us. It's a peace that is on guard over our heart. It's on guard over our mind, and it takes action. As we take our requests to the Lord, then he deals with our anxiousness. And then verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And this verse deals with the right place to put our minds. And Paul's list here translates well from the Greek to the English, but I would like to elaborate a little bit tonight on the first one. Whatsoever things are true. More than a decade ago, I went to this women's conference at Calvary Chapel Merritt Island. I actually just went to one over the weekend with my mom and sister and my aunts. We went, it was a wonderful time, and it just was a really blessed time. But about more than a decade ago, I went to a conference there. And there was a speaker there whose name was Elizabeth George. And I just loved this speaker. She was so just, I, I understood her. She was clear. I just resonated with her teaching. And, and she had a best woman, a seller of a, woman, a book called A Woman After God's Own Heart. And after I heard her speak, I just went out and I just bought all of her books and I started reading them all and just soaking them all up. And one of them that I read was called Loving God with All of Your Mind. And this book was life-changing for me. The first chapter of this book was all about thinking on the truth, such as first part of verse 8 says, whatsoever things are true. And, you know, the definition of true is in accordance with fact or reality, the opposite of false. So then we could say, Whatsoever things or whatever things are factual or real. And as men, as women, children out there tonight, moms tonight, this verse gives us some biblical boundaries that offer a solution to our mental health. We need to stop believing the lies about ourselves. We need to stop dwelling on the things that are just not true. We need to hold our thoughts up against God's standards of what is true and real and triumph over our negative emotions and damaging thoughts. You know, so many relationships are damaged and they are just messed up because of this kind of thinking. And I'm just so gripped by this. And I would just like to say to all of us tonight, stop it. Stop it to me and to you as well. We have got to stop this and we've got to stop going down the black hole in our mind. 
whatsoever things are true. May we place the truth of God's word above everything we think or feel. And my Bible is falling apart. Actually, I lost my Philippians earlier, and I was going around saying, oh, no, where's, where's my Philippians? Where's my Philippians? And I found it. Thank God I found it. But we have got to place this truth above everything that we think or feel. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's one thing. As I'm teaching children's ministry, I tell the kids all the time. You might have friends say, well, you can get to heaven doing this, or you can get there like this and that. There's other ways. Oh, no, there's not. And it tells us in the word that Jesus said, I am am the way. No man comes to the Father except by me. And if you're thinking about Jesus and thinking about his word, then you're thinking on the truth. Amen? Let's move quickly through the rest of this list. Whatsoever things are noble. That's honest, meaning good, honorable, upright. Whatsoever things are just, that which is right. That which is in conformity to God's standards. This takes us back to God's word. Seeing what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And thank God for his word that we can turn to when we need that help. Whatsoever things are pure. Meaning properly clean. Innocent. Modest. And I'd just like to say tonight that we cannot give in to the mental pollution that is taking away the purity from our lives, from our families, from, our, from the children in this generation. As a music teacher and these kids, they come in. I am just, I'm so saddened by the things. It's just at the flip of a button, at a flip of a device, a movie, a computer. We've got to stop giving into this and we've got to stand for purity. We have got to stand for purity. Amen. Whatsoever things are lovely, having a beauty that appeals to the heart or mind as well as to the eye. Whatsoever things of good report, well spoken of, reputable, admirable. Virtue, meaning anything with excellence or excellent, and praise, a commendable thing. Then Paul says to meditate on these things. Another translation says, think on these things. And this is a deliberate thinking, thinking in a way that helps you to work through the things that you need to work through. Deliberate means consciously and intentionally. It's allowing God to be part of your thoughts. And you know, our thoughts are powerful. They are so powerful. Wrong thinking leads to unrest and discouragement. It leads to broken relationships. And we have got to stop this. We've got to Be careful with our thoughts. Thinking correctly leads to peace. And my heart is so heavy in regards to this passage. There are so many people that suffer in their lives and in their walk with the Lord because of their thinking. And we have got to rid ourselves of this stinking thinking. And you've probably heard that before too. So how do we do it? How do we win this battle over our mind? Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, it speaks of the importance of casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. So we have to handle our thoughts like a cowboy handles his lasso. That's what we got to do. When those thoughts come, we got to get those thoughts and we got to put them in their place. We cannot give in to those thoughts. We need to bring them into captivity. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Much of the Christian life comes down to the mind. The things that we allow into our minds have such an effect on our thinking. And you've heard G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. And it's really a true thing. Kids, here tonight, G-I-G-O. If you put garbage into your mind, garbage is going to come out through you, through your actions, through the way you talk, through the way you think. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, may we hide God's word in our hearts. Don't make that just a practice of the past. We should be memorizing scripture in this day and age more than ever. We need to get into God's word. We need to write it on our note cards. We need to ponder it and think about it and learn it and memorize it. So to summarize verse 8, our thought lives need to be filled with Jesus, with the word of God, with things that conform to God's standard of righteousness, relationships that promote purity and things that promote peace instead of conflict. And then Paul's final words in Philippians 4, he says, meditate on these things. And it's important to recognize that this is a command. This is not just a piece of advice that Paul has given. We can take it or leave it. No, we are to focus our thoughts. This is a command. We are to focus our thoughts on the truth of God's word. And we need to respond in obedience to his word. I encourage you tonight to be obedient to the word. We, then we will reap glorious benefits and blessings when we obey and live according to God's word. And so let's wrap it up tonight with verse 9 that has to do with right living the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying here to the Philippians, whatever they have heard him say, whatever he has taught them, what they have seen from his conduct, copy these things. He could really say, follow me as I follow Jesus, and the God of peace will be with you. So if the Philippians did, as Paul taught them, not only would they have the peace of God, but the God of peace would also be with them. And to have the peace of God with us is much. To have the God of peace himself with us is more. As we have heard God's word tonight, I want to just quickly review some of the main points among these verses. Verses 1 through 3, Paul urges the people to be united. Verses, verse 4, we learn to rejoice in the Lord. 
Verse 5, we learn to let our gentleness be known. 6 and 7, we learn to be anxious for nothing and to pray. Verse 8, we learn about right thinking, how important that is. And verse 9, we learn about right living. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live and walk in obedience to the word of God so that we, like Paul, can look to those around us and be able to say, follow me as I follow Jesus and be obedient to think on these things.